Well, here we are. It's uh, Christmas Eve, or not Christmas Eve, it's New Year's Eve. We've made it through Christmas. I don't know about any of the rest of you, but it's kind of like, okay, uh, we made it through that season. And man, isn't it just a busy time of year? We, we actually just packed up everything yesterday. How many of you guys have packed up your, your Christmas decor, your, your Christmas tree? Anybody uh, kind of advanced in that? We Sometimes we wait until like July, uh, 4th of July to take care of some of that stuff. So, But we, we packed that up yesterday and uh, got to get all that put away. My daughter's birthday is tomorrow. And so uh, just to kind of prepare for her birthday and kind of changing of the season, we, we went ahead and did that. But, but as we were doing that, uh, I thought I'd share some of our Christmas ornaments, some of our Christmas decor with you. This is a, a picture of our first Christmas together uh, ornament. Anybody have one of those? So that was when Kendra and I got married back in 2004, 2004 um, and uh, it's actually on there. That's why I've got that there to be able to remember the, when, when that was. But yeah, our first Christmas together. We've got that on the tree, and this is what, something from my childhood, actually, that rocking horse there. That was something that has been passed down through the generations. Another one that we've got on here, this is, uh, anybody know who that is? Emmett Kelly. Emmett Kelly was a famous clown back in the day, and so uh, this is an ornament that we have on our tree. My mom is a clown, and uh, I, I did some clowning back in my day when I was younger, and uh, so we've got, a, we've got an ornament on our tree that just kind of helps us to, to remember that lineage in our family as well. Another one that we've got here, this was when Kendra and I went to Boston a few years ago, and we picked up an ornament on the way there. But maybe you've got some ornaments that are kind of like this as well. This, there's another one here. This is, you know, one of those homemade ornaments, you know. Uh, this was Kendra back in, I think, like third grade or something. And anybody have some of these on your tree as well? They're just, you know, it's maybe the puzzle pieces weren't quite perfect in the way that she put it together. But, but you know, it's important to, to keep these keepsakes and, and for them to be passed on, you know, through, through the generations. And so I'm sure you have things like this on your tree as well. You know, a lot of times with New Year's, we think about the year to come. And we think about New Year's resolutions and the plans that we're going to have for this next year. We think about the goals that we have for next year. And, and you know, we, we think about those things at, at New Year's. And oftentimes, we, we're so kind of consumed with the things that are going to be happening, the plans that we may have, that we, we don't take time to pause we don't take time to pause and to, to look back and to think back upon the things that have happened in our lives and the, the experiences that we've had. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to take an opportunity as a, as a church and as a people for us to stop and to, to just consider what has God done. And so if you guys want to, you can get the, the uh, sermon notes by using the, the QR code uh, there in the app or on the screen here and um, follow along. So we're going we're gonna to actually teach out of the passage in Joshua today. And it's Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4. And to kind of give you a little bit of background of what that, uh, what that passage is about and where, where they've uh, come from in this passage, this is where the people of God, the Israelites, had come to the Jordan River. And they're about to cross over the Jordan River. Now, they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. They've been out there waiting for God to say, okay, now is the time. I've got a, a place for you, and I'm going to prepare and give you an opportunity for you to step into that. And so for 40 years, they've been out there in the desert wandering. And then they come to the banks of the Jordan River, and God says, okay, you're about to take this land, 
and you're about to go into this place that I've prepared for you. And so that's kind of where we're picking up this, uh, this, this story today. So let's look at it in Joshua 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 14. It says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the waters at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I don't know if you've ever been in a a place like this where you have been at the banks of a river that is at flood stage. This passage talks about here this river, the Jordan River, was at flood stage. I mean, it was just, it was a raging river. Actually, uh, this last year, Clayton and I got to travel to Uganda, and we got to be on the edge of the Nile River. And here's a, a picture of us there standing on the, on the river. It says, don't go beyond this point. You'll notice I'm standing on the other side. Sorry, Mom. I know you're watching this. Um, but I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're at a river's edge, and that river is just raging. It's, it's going by with such force that you can feel it almost in the ground as you're standing there. And that's what this situation was like for the people of Israel. They were standing at a river that was at flood staged. Now, now remember, this was a new generation. This wasn't the generation that had crossed the Red Sea. This was a new generation that now is standing at this body of water, and God is telling them, you are going to cross over into this, this land. You're going to cross over this river into this land. It's... It's something really to think about. I mean, these people, they didn't have swim lessons out in the desert. You know, there was no YMCA for them out there to learn how to cross rivers, right? And so God is telling them, you're going to cross over this river, and you're going to take steps of faith. I'm asking you to take steps of faith. Can you imagine what they must have felt? Can you imagine the fear that they must have felt? Imagine being one of those priests that they had the job of carrying the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the presence of God was in that, and they are going to go before the people, before the people go into the river, for them to step up to that edge and trust that God was going to be there with them. See, I believe that God gave them this moment. I believe God gave them this river-crossing moment so that they would stop and they would pause and they would recognize that God was there with them. When we experience a standing in the river moment, we experience God as he's leading us in faith into new places, and this is something that should be recognized. I don't know about you guys, but it's easy to get caught up in the rat race of life. You know, here we are, we've just finished Christmas, and we're about to go into New Year's, and then once New Year's is over, then we start thinking about, you know, spring break and Easter, and uh, we think about... Uh, summer plans, where are we going to go on vacation this year? Some of you have probably already made those plans for where you're going on vacation this summer. And then we're thinking about softball season, and we're thinking about you know, baseball season and our kids and, and soccer and football and all of these things that just go on and on and on. 
And we so easily get caught up in the things that, that we have in life. We get caught up in just doing the things that we have. But oftentimes, I think God brings us to these river's edge moments to cause us to stop. And it's those crises that we experience in life that, that cause us to, to stop and to consider, is God really with me? And even then, when we experience those those crises, it's so easy for us to forget, right? When we do go through those times and we know that God was with us, it's easy for us to, to, to just forget that those things happen. Well, God oftentimes gives us opportunity to remember. He gives us opportunity to pause and to be able to, to recognize those events and to trigger things in our lives to, to remember. And in this story, he gave them something that, that caused them to stop and to remember. So let's look at it. that. In Joshua 4, verses 1 through 7, it says, When the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up in the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men that he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan and in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So they go out. They're given this task of getting these stones. Now, can, can you imagine being one of those guys, right? I mean, Joshua goes through the camp and he chooses 12 guys, one for each of the different tribes of Israel. And he says, okay, your job is to go into the river and to choose the stone that you're going to carry out and build a memorial. See, God wanted them to remember this. He wanted them to remember this experience, I, I imagine, you know, if I, if I was one of those tribes, if I was, say, from the tribe of Benjamin, and I, you know, was, uh, was told, okay, you, you, you need to figure out who's going to be the guy that uh, you are going to go out and get the stone. I, I imagine I probably would want, you know, a pretty good-sized guy. I mean, I, maybe somebody like Noah, maybe somebody like Rylan, probably not somebody like Clayton-sized, um, maybe Garrett Jones, I don't know, you know, somebody that works out a lot. But, you know, you'd, you would want somebody that is going to be able to pick a stone that is going to stick out, right? That's going to be distinct. A stone that, that you would be able to say, man, look at that one. That one is, that's the one that I chose. I chose that one because it was especially, you know, large. Or, or maybe you, you, you chose one that, you know, was more jagged than the others. Or maybe there was a stone that had a, a stripe of color through it. But a stone that would be able to represent and be able to say, that is the stone that represents our tribe. And when our tribe crossed over the river, we knew that God was there. We knew that God was present, that he was powerful among us. See, God gives us these river crossing moments so that we can recognize them, but also so that we can remember them. And he, he wants it for ourselves. He wants us to have that for ourselves so that when we get to the other side of the river, we can look back and we can be able to say God was there. Now, for, for the Israelites, they didn't know what was ahead, just like we don't know what's ahead in life. 
They didn't know, you know, on the other side of the river, are, are the people there going to welcome us? Are, are we going to experience hardship? Is there going to be sickness over on the other side of the people? Are we going to have people among us that are going to die? They didn't know. They didn't know what that was going to look like. And so God gave them this memorial so that they could pause, so that they could remember that God was with them. It's interesting because in verse 9, it also says that Joshua was given the task of going back into the river. He stopped in the middle of the river where the priest stood, and he piled up 12 stones. And I think it's interesting because I think that God wanted his people to be able to not only see where they were going, but to see where they had, where they had st- stood, where they had standed. I think that it's important for us to, to, to think about that, that we... There are times that as we get through the river that we look back and be able to say, I can remember when God was present with me there, in that place, in that moment. So God gives us these opportunities to be able to remember for ourselves, but he also gives us these river crossing moments so that we can remember and help our children to remember. One of the things I love about this passage is that it, it definitely shows that God is a father. Um, you know, in, in this, it talks about how uh, the, the people, as they crossed over, they would have this memorial for, for their children. And it says that, you know, I, mean, I think one of the things that's interesting is that uh, they, he knows what they're going to ask, right? That the kids, as they cross over the river, they're going to see these, these, uh, these piles of rocks that are going to stay there for generations. And that they're going to ask that question that every kid asks, right? Their favorite question. What is that? Why? Right? Parents, mm, I'm hearing some mm. <laughs> That's the question that every kid asks. And so you can imagine for generation after generation, kids would walk past these, these stones, past this memorial, and they would ask the question, Mom, Dad, what are those stones there for? And their parents would explain to them, this is where we crossed over the river. This is when God was with us, and he stopped the water and he allowed us to walk across it on dry land. And then they would have children, and their children would ask the same question. Mom, Dad, why are these stones here? And they would tell of the story over generation and generation that God was there, that God worked powerfully, and that God was present with his people. So these kinds of river-crossing moments, they're not just for us, they're not just for our children, but they're also for all of the people who will hear. In uh, Joshua 4, at the end of that passage, verse 24, it says, then Joshua said, it, said, it says, he did this, go back one verse. He, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed over on the uh, dry ground. Then in Joshua 4, 21, it says, for the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. Do you hear that? He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I mean, recognize this. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. See, this was a memorial that God was establishing, not just for his people. It wasn't just for the people of Israel 
but it was going to be a memorial that would stand there forever so that everyone would know who he is. It was interesting as Clayton and I were talking about this passage, kind of preparing for it, he, he shared that they stood in this spot. They stood in the spot where they believed that uh, the people of Israel crossed over the river and they could see Jericho uh, on the other side. And what I thought was interesting, I've not been there, but what I thought was interesting was that it's not that big of an area. He said that, you know, you could, you could see across to the other side and see Jericho. And so you imagine the people of Jericho, as they're standing over there on the other side, maybe they're up on the top of their, their tall walls that eventually would fall. You know, maybe they're out in their field. Maybe they were on the other side of the river fishing. I don't know. But they, they had an opportunity to be able to see what God was doing among this people. They, they were able to see that God was doing something incredible, that he stopped the waters, that he allowed his people to go across. You know, one moment they're on one side of the river, and then the next moment they were at their doorstep. And so this was something that was a memorial, not just for his people. This was a memorial so that everyone would be able to see. You know, as, as I think about my life, and I think about the moments that I've had in my life, the, the river crossing moments, if you will, there's been a lot of those. You know, for, for us, um, you know, we, we were called overseas. We spent 11 years of our lives serving overseas on the mission field. And I remember that moment when we, we said, okay, we're going to follow. We're going we're gonna to take these steps of faith, God, and we're going to trust that you're going to be with us. And we sold our house, and we sold our cars. We sold everything. We had a big old garage sale, sold everything. And um, I remember, you know, in some ways the nervousness of that, of like, okay, well, what happens if this doesn't go well? Because um, we don't have anything to come back to. And I remember moving overseas and, uh, you know, being over there for a term. And then we got the news that Kendra's dad had cancer. And we came home for a time. And I remember walking through that season and just sensing the presence of the Lord, even in that difficulty and eventually losing him. And I, I remember coming back to the field, or coming back from the field, back here to the States eventually, living in Bartlesville for a time, and then the Lord telling us, I want you to move down to Owasso, and us trusting and saying, okay, God, we don't know what you have for us in Owasso, but then eventually being led to be here in this moment at Central. So I, I just remember all of these different markers in life of how God has brought us into these different times, and he has said, this is what I have for you take the step of faith, step out in faith, and we experienced his goodness. We experienced his presence. We experienced his, his power. I think about our church. You know, this last year, we have, we've taken some steps of faith. Uh, we've, you know, we've gone through this Made for More campaign, and uh, we've, you know, we've added me onto the staff. I mean, there's just different things that we've done as a church that, that have been steps of faith to be able to say, God, we want to prepare for the future and what it is that you have for us. One of the things that I think is incredible, I asked Matt to kind of run the numbers this last week, and, and we have, as a church, we have given over three and a half million dollars this year for the ministry of what Central is doing right now and what we hope that Central is going to be able to do in the future. That's an incredible thing, right? I mean, that's something that as a church, we have never given that much money in a single year. 
And that's something that we as a church should recognize. We should recognize that God was with us in that. God was with us in helping us to make those steps of faith and saying, God, we're going to trust you even with our finances. But I don't think that God's done yet. I don't think that he's done uh, with our church. And, and I think that there are, there are further th- steps of faith that he's calling us to do. As I've stepped into this role um, as the missions pastor, I can't help but kind of apply some of those uh, missionary, the, the training that I've had on the mission field. And one of the things that missionaries do when they move into a new uh, area, a new community or context is they study it. They want to know who are the people and what, what's, uh, what's happening in that community. Where are the opportunities to be able to, uh, to go into people's lives and be able to minister to them? And so I've, I've become a student of Owasso and the area around here. And uh, one of the things that I think is, is incredible is that uh, this next year, they're anticipating over 2,500 families are going to move into the Owasso area. That's incredible, right? 2,500 new families are going to move in. And so those are going to be people that are going to be in your job, in your workplace. Those are going to be people that are going to be moving into your neighborhood and maybe even into your cul-de-sac. Those are going to be kids that are going to be going to the same school and in classes with, with your, your kids, um, those are going to be parents that you're going to sit next to at the ball game. And so the question is, what are we going to do? As a church, what are we going to do to step into the lives of these people and have an opportunity to be able to share the stories of what God has done among us? I know that that's maybe a little bit scary. Uh, honestly, it's a little bit scary for me to think about how, how are we going to meet the needs that all of these people are going to have as God brings new people into our community. But here's the good news, and this is really what this story tells us. It's what it reminds us of. God is faithful. God is faithful, and he is with his people. And as we make those steps of faith, we can see over and over again that he is faithful and is with his people, that he cares for them, that he provides for them, that he works powerfully. I think that we can also recognize that just as he worked with his people in the past, he's going to continue to work powerfully in our lives today. And I think the other thing is that as we experience these moments, these river-crossing moments, it gives us an opportunity to build our faith, right? As we have these experiences over and over and over again, we're able to take those stones, those memorials, and build them up in our own lives and be able to say that God is faithful and that he continues to be faithful. The question for us is, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to trust him? Are we going to trust him? For some of you in this room, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're standing at that river's edge. Maybe you feel like you're just at the edge of a flooded river, and you feel like you're about to be swept away. And maybe you don't know what it means to have a relationship, to walk alongside a God that is there and that is present and that wants to work powerfully in your life. If that's you today, man, we would love to pray for you. We would love to come alongside you. We would love to be able to tell you what it looks like to have a relationship with with a God that cares about you, that is present. Maybe you're like me today. Uh, You know, I look back upon these experiences, these river moments in my life, and I just can't help but just be grateful to, to have gratitude for what the Lord has done. And this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to, to be able to just pause and to recognize, to acknowledge that God has walked with you 
and that he is going to continue to walk with you. So this morning we set up some stones here on the front of the stage. These aren't set up here so that you can stone me after the, the service, anything like that. Uh, these are set up here so that you as a family can have that moment. Have a moment to be able to just pause and to be able to maybe think back and to be able to say, okay, God, we've gone through some things this last year, and I'm grateful, and I don't want to forget this. And I want other people to be able to hear these stories. And so maybe you can take one of those stones and you can write a word on there, something that will help to trigger that question for you. Maybe trigger the question for your kids or somebody that would come into your home or your office and see that stone and be able to ask the question, what is that? Why, why do you have that stone that has that word on it? And for you to be able to share about the goodness of God. So this morning as we, as we respond, I would invite you to come forward. We've got some Sharpies up here on the stage. We've got some stones. And just pause. Take a moment, pause. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life. Make a note on there. Pray and remember. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just the story of how you worked in a very miraculous way among your people, uh, how you, you literally stopped the waters. And God, we admit that in our lives, we feel like so often that we are standing at that river's edge and we just don't, we don't know. We don't know what that step of faith is going to look like. We don't know uh, what the other side is going to look like. And yet, God, uh, you are there. You care. You love us. And you want to work powerfully in our lives. So this morning, God, we, we want to pause. We want to think about the ways that you have worked. Uh, we want to remember and acknowledge, God, that you are good and you are powerful and you're present with us. Help us to give you the credit that you're due. And this morning, God, I pray that if there is anybody here that just doesn't know what it means to have a relationship to walk alongside you in these kinds of times. I pray, God, that they would have an opportunity to respond this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Central, would you stand? We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, and that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.